And we are recording. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of the Creators Roundtable. My name is Malosh, and this week we are having a very special guest and my good old friend, uh, Tina Wu. How are you, Tina? I'm okay, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> and uh, Tina, Tina is a music theorist. Is that a good way to s- describe you? I don't know. Um, the music terms get a little fuzzy sometimes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you do a lot of arrangement work, so let's start. Mm-hmm. Let's start with that. Um, right. How did you get started with that to begin with? Um, well, it all started when I couldn't make an acapella group. I was kind of upset, but I wanted to be involved in that in some way. So I started like playing around with some stuff, joining some other choirs. Um, ended up in African choir, and um, we did some. We wanted to put on a big show my sophomore year. And that was my first arrangement, Circle of Life from Lion King. Okay. And uh, tell us a little bit about that process. Um, the arranging? Or yeah, the arranging process. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> I just listened to the song over and over and over and over again and um, try to pick out some notes. Um, what I usually do is I start with the, the lower bass notes and like the rhythmic part because the drums are a pretty cool part of every song. So I think like the rhythm has to be there. Um, and that's what I usually start listening for. Of course, the main melody, what everyone hears, and then just figure out what notes are missing. Um, it's not oh, really right. like a, it's yeah, it's, it's not rocket, it's not rocket science, right? <laughs> but okay, okay, so it's a lot more you kind of go by feel. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, yeah. Whatever I feel like is missing or could be added to. Okay. Whatever exists, I used to arrange by ear, so I did a little garage band thing, and then I added layers on it. Okay. Um, but now I do it more like sheet music so, okay. okay so people can have something visual to guide them and i couldn't do that before okay and um i know that you did a arrangement recently with the accidentals one of the acapella groups here on campus yeah uh, tell us a little bit about the song that you picked why you picked the song and why you thought that was a good fit um actually i didn't pick the song they really wanted to do it um it was i'll make a man out of you from mulan okay. um and they really wanted to do it and i you know i'm They've, um, they sang Circle of Life and another collaboration with African Choir for the international show, both last year and the year before. Um, so they know that I'm into the arranging thing. Um, so they, you know, I'm very honored that they thought about letting me help them with it. And then, um, so I worked on it with their music director, Tim. And um, it was kind of difficult for us to arrange for times to meet because we're both so busy. Um, so we decided, okay, maybe I should just take it under yeah. my own wing, whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever that's called. But like, yeah. um, so I kind of took over that arrangement and, um, just, yeah. yeah. And didn't realize until like three weeks into arranging that I am a woman of Chinese descent mm-hmm. and I'm arranging for an all male acapella group. I'll make a man of you from Mulan, okay. um, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny because, uh, and th- did that did that impact your arrangement in any in any way? No, it just made me very excited. Um, I think that was a big part of why I ended up performing with them. I don't know what went into that decision. It was pretty. I was really shocked when that decision came out. But like, um, yeah. So I I do have a female vocal range, and I <laughs> um, I am Asian. So yeah. you know, singing the Mulan part was pretty natural for someone of my background to do i guess okay and <laughs> was that your first time performing for sam singing in such a um in such a way um i actually did a little bit of singing stuff in high school but um 
Hmm. In college, I just I'm a part of chapel singers and African choir and that stuff, but it's not like the acapella group kind of feeling. Like even though chapel singers is acapella sometimes and African choir is as well, it's just the the way we sing and the focus is just very different. Yeah. So um, that was my first, you know, more entertaining and like not religious, not like trying to spread a culture type yeah. performance. Kind of just there, really there for the fun. Yeah, it was okay. really fun. <laughs> and uh, just tell us a little bit about the night of the performance and how that <laughs> went. How that went down. Um, okay, so um, I was getting really pumped, obviously, because um, I really look up to all the acapella groups. First of all, because I couldn't get into any of them, but also like because they're all really chill people, and um, I think they. They're great performers. So I was really glad to join. I was really excited. I was like, okay, so I'm going to pretend to be a man like Mulan. Yeah. Oh, yikes. Um, and um, my friend Mariam um, was talking about how she could tie my hair up and like put chopsticks in it and and all that good stuff. Yeah. So I was getting excited about like doing my hair and um, the dress code for the accidentals, like, you know, to wear exactly what they're wearing. It's a, you know. I don't know. I just got really excited yeah. about it. Really pumped for my first performance with an acapella group yeah. in college, and it was really—I I thought it was really amazing. It was really fun, and um, I'm not used to being on stage for that. I'm usually in the audience cheering for my friends only, but not a part of a performance. Yeah, and that just uh, for me, it was just really special experience. And like, really honored and happy that they let me tag yeah, definitely. along. Definitely. Well, was that a decision on their part, or on uh, was it something that you guys arrived at jointly? Um, I <laughs> I've been secretly hoping to okay. be able to do something like that in life. Okay. Um, hoping for a miracle. You know, I'm like I sometimes I dream. Yeah. Um, and then um, one night at a party, actually, <laughs> um, James and Kira and. Addie were coming up with this idea. Oh, what if Tina sings the Mulan part? Huh? That would yeah. be really cool. And I'm like, yeah, what <laughs> if? What if? <laughs> yeah, but on the inside, you're like, yes, yes, like, take me in. Yes, exactly. Um, and then, um, yeah, and they liked the idea. And I was just like, oh, wow. That's awesome. I, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, that was a phenomenal performance. I was there in the audience. It was probably the best song of the night. Um, <laughs> I know a lot, of the, a lot of the groups did an amazing job. But I think they know that one was kind of special because of the different nature of it. Um, mm-hmm. because you were involved I was when I, I remember when you went up there I was like wait a minute why is Tina going up there <laughs> why is Tina going up there with these guys um yeah and a lot of the accidentals guys are my friends so right. um and actually today as they were recording this it's um Alex Bellis's birthday yeah so um this is going to be broadcast on Saturday but uh, happy birthday Alex happy birthday uh, Alex um so let's talk about a little bit about the inspirations behind your work and behind mm-hmm. your arrangement are there any I guess big names in those kinds of fields or any, any, where do you draw inspiration from? That's actually, it's kind of hard for me to answer that because I actually, um, didn't, I don't really know many acapella things. Um, I know a little bit of music theory and, um, I have ears. Um, but that's like, uh, hmm. I got, I did consider a lot of acapella arrangements, but in the end, it was a lot more about like huh, how how can I make these instruments into human sounds that are not okay. too awkward to sing. Gotcha. Because um, my background is more in instrumental music. Okay. And um, because I've been in the chapel singers for three years, I'm a little bit rooted in that as well. But apart from that, I haven't been very much of a like a an acapella person or like an arranger of anything. Okay. Until these opportunities popped up. 
Okay. So um, I think maybe that's also why like my arrangements are very different from some other ones that we hear from other groups, I guess. I mean, I'm not trying to say mine are unique or anything. Yeah, I'm just saying, um, you know, because of my instrumental background. Yeah. Um, I sometimes I, I don't know if it's, I don't even know if it's by accident or on purpose, but um, a lot of my arrangements, even for vocal, have a little bit more of an instrumental quality to it and are rooted more on instrumental sounds than vocal sounds, even though I try to adjust it to make it yeah. easier to sing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And are there <laughs> any are there any opportunities, any other other cool projects that you're currently involved in? Um, I'm I don't really like to talk about projects before I complete them just in okay. case. You know, okay. like don't want to jinx myself. That's fair. That's Knock fair. on wood. Um That's fair. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I do have quite a bit going on in my okay. musical. Right. Well, we're excited. And we're excited to um, hear that when it comes to light. Um, you mentioned a little bit, you know, before recording, that you did some performance work in the past with instruments. Yeah. Uh, what kind of instruments do you play, and what kind of performance work was it? Um, so I started playing piano since like first grade. Okay. Um, I quit a few times in between because um, my mom got really mad because I wasn't practicing, and mm. she was just like, "Oh, well, if you don't want to practice, then what's the point in?" learning you yeah. don't want to get better um and then i was like you're right i'm sick of this and i was in like third grade mind you yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. um but then i realized um it's already become a part of big part of my life like i never thought about studying it i never thought i would be studying music at all mm-hmm. or like um going that deeply into musical projects yeah but it was just already a big part of my life ever since i started it um so i play piano for pretty much all my life and um I started playing drums in a rock band in 10th grade Okay. in high school. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I pretty much just learned drums to be in that band with a friend who transferred to our school. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was the three of us, Hedgehogs United. Okay. We called. That's cool. Um, that's cool. Yeah. And, well, the typical recorder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I played recorder and, like, um, I, yeah. But um, apart from just the soprano recorder, I also played alto recorder and the tenor recorder, which are, okay. like, the same thing but a little bigger. Okay. Um, and I was really into that stuff, too. I didn't even know there was a difference. I didn't even know there were other options. I think <laughs> just have the one. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and what are some, are there any performances that you've done in college? Um, hmm. I think my college performances are mostly with um, the music department. So, like, I did lessons, and I did a piano duet with Yao Chi, okay. um, who graduated last year. And um, so it's all, like, more classical, romantic, Western art music stuff. Okay. And I was in a chamber piano trio, so with a violin and a cellist. Okay. Violinist and a cellist. Um, we performed some chamber music okay. with the music department programs. And then, um, well, the chapel singers' performances, if those count. Yeah. African choir, and I was in gospel choir before this. Okay. Um, but, oh, and <laughs> so my only band thing-ish um, in college was when AJ, who graduated, also mm-hmm. graduated um, two years ago. Yeah, I don't even so remember. Two yeah, two years, years ago. ago. Point. Yeah, wow. Um, he came back to because he like wrote a bunch of songs himself, and he was like a he one man banded yeah. a whole album. Yeah, and um, he asked me to play a keyboard for okay. the live performance of his album at okay. the mill. So yeah. that was my mill debut and my only ever performance yeah. on the mill stage. Awesome. Um, I played keyboard. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> AJ's album is called uh, 79 Vernon Street, and it is available on all major streaming platforms. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now that we're at the topic of Trinity, I want to kind of switch over to that and like talk about Trinity and the programs that they offer. Yeah. Um, recently, 
as uh, some of our audience may know, Trinity had a huge expansion to the Austin Arts Center focused Mm -hmm. mostly on music. And how do you feel that, how do you feel what, I guess let me rephrase this. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that was a worthwhile investment on Trinity's part? Yeah, um, I I really like it. I'm a little biased because music. Yeah. Um, But it's a nice space. And um, so... I was actually there for the opening ceremony. That's okay. when um, Yaoji and I performed a piano duet at the okay. opening ceremony. And um, that piano. Okay. Um, I, I sound so nerdy right now, but like that piano no, that's fine. is that's why you're here. a freaking <laughs> great piano. Um, okay. Every time I play that piano, it's just like the music is like yeah. it sounds better than yeah. I'm I'm making it sound. Like okay. it's the piano making enhancing it. It's not even yeah. me anymore. It's, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Wow. You know, it's, <laughs> no, it's transcendence. I know, yeah, I know a lot of I know a lot of pianos on campus that aren't attuned at all. So I'm guessing that one is. <laughs> yeah, like let's not talk about that. Yeah, no, <laughs> all the auto tune pianos. Yeah, um, no, it's a lot of lot of auto tune pianos here on this campus. Yeah. But do you feel like, um, so especially for students that might not have access mm-hmm. to those kinds of resources, mm-hmm. uh, like on Trinity, I know for example a lot of non-music majors just don't have access to that right do you feel like that is a warranted thing for the school to say oh no you can't go here if you're not a major um so so to clarify like that grand piano that's in the concert hall Mm -hmm. nobody has access to that room yeah no student does unless you're um for example when i was the i think two weeks before my chamber ensemble performance um i could go there and practice with when Professor Gom was in his office right next door and he okay. let me in. Okay. Um, because I had to get used to that piano and that space yeah. and stuff like that. We could rehearse in there, kind of like dress rehearsals. Um, but apart from those, and um, if you're involved in a group where Professor Gom or some other professor is directly supervising you, then you're not allowed to use that space mm-hmm. and therefore not allowed to use that piano. Yeah. Um, so that piano is really kept in good quality and good condition yeah because no one's using it yeah um and i think that's a good thing because that um i think there should be something on campus that's protected Mm -hmm. um and well supervised like that okay i mean i'm not trying to be like elitist though yeah we're we're the only ones who should be using those um i don't get to use them when nobody's supervising them and i think that's fair because you know like some something things are things have to be protected for them to be in good condition yeah um, and then there are like you know second tier grand pianos yeah. that are um, you only get access to them if you're I think a music major taking a music class that requires that you can you know practice piano mm-hmm. or um, in a chamber program or um, I think you can also get access if you just talk to Pat Kennedy and say yeah. hey listen I practice piano I play piano and I really want to do yeah. something with it so can I please get access and usually the answer is yes okay so like i think that's a pretty good separation so anyone has access to the upright pianos which Mm -hmm. are usually pretty in tune yeah um yeah because those are in the uh in the small performance rooms right in the practice rooms right yes yes so those are locked as well but Mm -hmm. everyone with a trinity id can get in so there's that so like there's three layers yeah well four like and then they're the ones lying around everywhere yeah um so we don't talk about those yeah (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's, um, that's not what I meant. But yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, depending on your level, your interest, and how serious you are with the piano and stuff like that, there are different kinds of services and different kinds okay. of piano for you. And I think okay. that's a pretty nice thing to have on such a small campus. Okay. 
Okay. And do you feel the same way about the digital services that are also kept away? And, and like the classrooms, I know there is a, mm-hmm. there are some pretty powerful computers in that space that, you <laughs> yeah. could, that could be used for mastering, but right. virtually no one there has access to it unless you're like in that class. Right. Do you feel that's also a warranted thing, especially for someone that might want to learn how to master, how to work with these kinds of tools uh, that mm-hmm. are nowhere else on campus? Right. Um, I think that the music professors are all pretty understanding of that stuff and they do like, for, for example, professor, professor Roman is very passionate about, like, spreading the knowledge of, like, digital music and stuff like that to everyone who's interested. So um, I feel like because they're, they're so, it's such a small department, all the professors and administration people in Austin Art Center, like, they're all very easy to talk to for opportunities. Uh-huh. So, like, um, I, I think they're doing a good job of protecting the expensive equipment and the spaces that are new and added on. Okay. Um, sometimes it is a little frustrating Yeah. when, when you just want to use something, but th- it isn't there. Yeah. But I also, um, if I remember correctly, there are also some library computers that have some programs yeah. installed. So like, you know, if you don't want the super duper fancy stuff, like there, you can have access to them in library. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's like, you know, it's very well thought out and, they're doing okay. the best they can. Okay. Yeah. No, I know some of the uh, library computers there. I mean, they're all right, but usually it's the, uh, there, there are bottlenecks and limitations with those machines that mm. a lot of people that might want to get more serious, uh, right. just, it will kind of inhibit them from kind of spraying their wings, so to speak. Right. Um, on that note, do you think that Trinity's music infrastructure, so to speak, mm-hmm. helps your abilities grow and prosper? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't even know I had a talent in music. Um, I mean, I've always known that I've been very auditorily inclined. Like, okay. you know, the auditory sen- like sensing tends to distract me from my visual sensing a lot. Yeah. And that, I think that might might have been one of my first clues as to like, oh, maybe I should do something that relates to stuff I hear. Yeah. Um, but also, um, when I, I didn't get into the Chapel Singers the first time I auditioned, but... Um, later on, I got in also freshman spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got in, like, I, you know, I realized there was so much more to learn in terms of, like, performing music and, like, with musicality and, like, pitch and rhythm, like, all of that plus everything else. Yeah. Um, and I think um, that's when I realized I could hear these things after someone tells me about them. And then... I'm actually consciously aware of a lot of the details that some people can't hear. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really know how to describe it. So, yeah. like, you know, if someone's off pitch from a section, I, could, I know exactly what section it is. Okay. Um, which sounds really intimidating, but it's just, I don't know, I just, I can yeah. just hear when just something's pick off. That up. And I can pick out exactly what's wrong. Okay. Usually, hopefully. Okay. Um, but um, I, I realized I had that skill, which I never thought was amazing because i just had it the whole time i could listen to things and play it on the piano listen to a pop song accompany you on it um i thought that was normal um i thought you know in high school i was like oh maybe it's just no i I met some other talented people in high school but like this is just one of my little talents and i'll bet there's so many people who can do this and when i get to college and then people here like no tina that's not normal i'm like okay okay." (laughs) i mean well, not normal for a classical yeah, yeah, pianist, definitely. like definitely like a jazz musician. That's way above my level. Like, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So like, there's some things that, some skills that I have that I realize that I have 
mm-hmm. like my ear um, for for little things that happen. Yeah. Like in little details in music. Yeah. That I didn't realize I had. So I think it's great that um, people are giving me the confidence, which is not something I had. I'm getting a lot more confident um, yeah. because of my experience at Trinity and um, having some guidance for, for um, how to notice even more things and really use my skill of awareness. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's pretty much all I have, so might as well enhance it kind of thing. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think that your attention to detail has ever kind of annoyed you when you're at a concert or something and you notice something's off just a little bit? You know, does, it ever, does it ever just irk you like in the back of your mind when you're trying yeah. to enjoy a concert? Is there any, do you have any examples of that? Um, I try not to, but um, when I first got to college, like my first year in college, I was just like, oh, yay, it's college. Everyone must be so good at everything. Like, um, you know, I really high expectations, kind of like, um, yeah, kind of just expecting everyone to be pro pretty much. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you know, little, little first years. Yeah, students. exactly. Um, <laughs> so um, at first I would go to like student group concerts and then I'd be like, oh, is this it? I'm sorry, yeah. everyone. Like, yeah. no, I'm, I've ended up being a part of a lot of these groups. Yeah. And like, it's, it's, that's not all it is. It's, yeah. it's the whole experience. It's a whole package. Exactly. I was just, I just didn't know what to expect in college. And I feel like my East Asian upbringing kind of um, distorts things a little bit as well. Um, if okay. you're not professional, don't do it kind of thing. Okay. Um, which is ser- has seriously harmed me a lot in the past. Like, I have terrible stage fright and it didn't get better because I thought I had to be perfect as a student um but here um I still try to do my best but um if you don't try you can never succeed kind of thing like that kind of mentality so like back home it was like oh why are you doing this you're not good enough here it's like why not just give it a shot maybe you'll get better yeah no I mean every every (laughs) professional was at some point an amateur so right it makes it makes sense to just kind of go for it which is kind of what we're doing with the show right um (laughs) So you also mentioned that you do a little bit of music theory, music research, Mm -hmm. kind of more the academic side of things. Mm -hmm. Knowing that you have this ability to kind of, you know, pick up details and have attention to music, have a really musical ear, how does your work in theory help with that? Or how did you transition from kind of picking out instruments, from singing, from arranging to musical theory? Mm, So, um, well, as a music major kind of have to take some music theory and history courses and like be taught how to analyze music and how how it fits in the grand scheme of things, whatever that's supposed to mean. Yeah. Um, and well, unlike other subjects, it, it kind of like starts over because like, for example, music 101, it assumes you don't know how to describe music at all, even though everyone's grown up listening to some form of music. Yeah. Um, unlike math, which, you know, everyone has to learn some math in, yeah. back in like middle school, high school, if not, like, yeah. kindergarten even. Yeah. like. Um, so with music, it's really different. So everyone has the tools to listen to music, but um, they assume you don't have the language to describe it. And I think that's what music theory and music history have helped me with the most, okay. is, like, producing that language to describe what I'm hearing. Okay. Like, I'd hear a chord, and I'd be like, oh, this is the kind of chord that happens whenever this happens or whatever. Okay. Um, but... But, like, that's such a bad description of yeah. a chord. It's not detailed at all. But after, you know, taking 201 and 202, I could be like, oh, yeah, that Beethoven chord that I've always known sounded very Beethoven okay. um, is actually this. Okay. Um, and it's just giving me the 
ability to describe what I can already hear and hear even more because of that. Um, okay. It's just, to me, it's just very nice to be able to Yeah, do. definitely. To articulate what you're hearing, to you know, put a name to the... F- to the notes, so to speak, put a name right. to the sound. Right. So um, it's all related in that way. Yeah, exactly. Way. Uh, do you so? Do you think that you will continue the academic side of music into graduate school or into a professional field? Um, I'm not quite sure just yet. I'm actually planning on taking a gap year, but also very likely applying to grad schools for music. Okay. Um, but I haven't quite decided like what type of stuff I want to do with it. So right now I'm trying, fingers crossed, <laughs> trying to work on a thesis um, that's kind of based on analysis and music theory um, and analyzing some Schubertian yeah. stuff. Okay. Um, but so my grad school um, studies would either be like analysis, history of music okay. or like, um, I don't know, maybe some more mathematical, theoretical yeah. things in music theory. Okay. I haven't really decided what I'm the most interested in yet. Okay. Or it could be like musical research, like um, researching historical aspects of like, music that's long long gone or like yeah. how it relates to current music and stuff. Okay. Um, so funny that you bring up math because yeah. you're also a math major. Yes. Um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that. How did you get started with that? And did the math come first or did the music come first for in, in during your college career? Um, so actually, I declared both of them my f- freshman fall. Okay. Because um, I was like, oh, if I didn't like it, I could always drop it. But yeah. if I declared it, all these benefits, yay. Yeah. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have that direction when I got to college. Like, okay. it was just like my life timeline kind of coincided with my my timeline. With your my, academic timeline? Yeah. You, okay. Yeah, thanks. That, yeah. That, was, <laughs> <laughs> that was really helpful. Um, so I'd, I've always been interested in math. Like, my dad used to wake me up by, like, giving me math problems when I was, like, four. Okay. Um, He would ask me, like, oh, if... I don't know if this is a thing here in this country, but like, um, uh, he would ask me there. Okay, so there are a total of how many animals in this cage? Okay. Um, this many. He would give me a number. Yeah. And then be like, oh, how many of them? And this number of legs. How okay. many of them are chickens and how many of them are rabbits? Oh, yeah. We, yeah, there are plenty of those kinds of problems in, um, like, you know, elementary mathematics. Right, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, plenty of those kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, so that that was my that uh, was four-year-old me exercise that's in the awesome. morning. That's awesome. And I loved it. Okay. So um, that was when I thought, hey, maybe I could consider something like that in the future. But my dad's a physics teacher. Okay. And my mom um, used to study, I think, like, she was a social worker track. So she did a lot of, like, psychology and sociology kind of type stuff back in Taiwan. Okay. So um, I, was, well, I was like, oh, okay, so this is what I'm the most in tune with because my dad talks to me about physics all the time. I love science and, you know, doing labs and yeah. and knowing about the world and how it yeah. works. And then, like, my mom would analyze people with me and, like, talk about all those big things and, you know, all that good stuff. So those were the things I thought I was going to study when I grow up. Um, okay. uh, but then <laughs> eventually in high school, I kind of got tired of labs in okay, natural fair. science. Yeah. Um, not tired of them. I really like them, but also um, I really like chemistry out of all the sciences that I've had contact with. But also the labs, they're so smelly. Mm. And I hate it when my senses are disrupted. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. you, you feel? Yeah, no, yeah. I, no, I get that. I get that. It sounds 
yeah, I sound really picky right now, but like, you no, know, I was just like, I don't want to smell this no, stuff fine. in this lab. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's when I got like really annoyed by chemistry. So I had to smell things. And in physics, you had to get like electric shocks just to yeah. do an experiment, which I really don't like either. So like all my sensations working together tells like it tells me that maybe I shouldn't be doing a lab i'm uh, i'm too spoiled for that gotcha Um, okay (laughs) but then i still really like like logical things and learning about like how things work and abstract things i've come to realize okay so like hey maybe i should give math a try yeah um so that's that's what happened with that aspect of things i was actually deciding between math education and music when i first got here um and music was not until i (laughs) i did not even have an art requirement satisfied until junior year of high school. I was like, oh, mm. sh- where do I find this art requirement? Yeah. This music class is really hard. I need to study two years of music to make up for it. Yeah. Um, but I also don't want to take visual art because I cannot, I I can only draw stick figures and yeah. this is going to be so hard for me. So I decided to, to self-study a little bit of music theory okay. and history and get into the harder music class so like we had ib program so i jumped into ib music with just my piano background but no background in theory or history or anything um and that was when i realized i i might be good at learning music in this way because i never thought about it academically um i never knew there was a theory and a history and an analysis side of music i always just thought it's just performance yeah just make stuff yeah, yeah, no, it's and it's not only about the music yeah. you create, but it's about, like, taking in the music everybody else creates and then, like, trying to say something about it or, like, yeah. you know, seeing how they created it and how you can emulate that and stuff like that. Okay. So that was when I realized maybe music is an option as well for okay. academic studies. Okay. And what made you decide on Trinity as your college of choice? Um. So I went to an international school back home in Taiwan, and, um, well, we're technically an American school. Okay. Um, so it's like a lot of our teachers are from the United States, um, some from Canada, and like, you yeah. know, everyone's just from this part of the world who, who's teaching us. And our superintendent was from Maine. Okay. Um, and he, uh, he ended up, hmm, how do I begin? Okay, so he had this friend that he used to work with um, who later on became our college counselor. He was going to... Okay. He was, I think, working in admissions at Colby or some some NESCAC school, and he was going to retire. And our superintendent was like, oh, no, you're not retiring. Come come help yeah. us out for a little bit, you know? Yeah. So um, he was like, okay. And he, he's such a great person. Um, he started recommending New England schools because, um, you know, um, we, we know a lot about the UCs okay. and all the Californian schools. And yeah. Then, the top schools like the Ivy Leagues, Stanford, yeah. all those big name schools that are like, you know, those are the things we hear about in Taiwan. Those yeah. are the schools, the only options for us if we wanted a good school, yeah, so to speak. Um, but then our superintendent being from Maine, like he knows there's a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, so the two of them, our college counselor and our superintendent, um, they really work to introduce us to schools in New England that are apart from the Ivies or like yeah. the lesser known Ivies to Taiwanese people. And so um, we came on a trip to New England and then like, okay. um, we liked the vibe here. We vibed. Um, okay. Never visited Trinity, but. Okay. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. 
Um, never visited Trinity, but still. Actually, let me just <laughs> take out the phone real quick. <laughs> All right, well, okay, don't worry sorry. about that. Um, where was I? <laughs> so you said you never visited Trinity? Yeah, no, but um, because, you know, they're like, oh, New England is like a region that has the same stereotype as other New England places. So if you like the vibe here, you'll probably like it there. Okay. So I decided to apply to some New England small colleges because I wanted to be in a small college. Contrary to popular belief in Taiwan, small colleges are cool. Okay. Um, and that's what I, like, I'm very thankful for my superintendent and college counselor for introducing me to all these schools. And, okay. you know, because they were personally friends with admissions officers at the NESCACs. Okay. Um, so they, like, really vouch for it. Okay. So I'm here. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, I know that in, like, Eastern Europe and in just in Europe in general, having, there's also the kind of idealized image of, you know, the American, big American schools, mm -hmm. like the Yales and the Stanfords of the world. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, sometimes a smaller school is maybe the better option for you. Not everyone yeah. should go to a, uh, big research institution right. and um, have you found a way to kind of merge your mathematics and your music work um so last semester obviously like for my math final project I did a little investigation on like music theory music theory and some other aspects of music that connected with math okay. and like I realized that was really interesting because um there was a lot to get like a lot of little parallels yeah. between math and music. And I think like there's generally, I don't know about here again, like I only know about Taiwan where yeah. I grew up, but um, in Taiwan, like for example, my piano teacher likes to say that, oh, I'm not good at math. That's why I can't do anything else. And I had to like rely on my musical talents mm. to, to get me through school. And I'm just like, well, I mean, why do you have to be good at math? And, yeah. you know, to, it's just like the def default is STEM and then everything else. Yeah. But then um, it's often because these voices are so loud, we don't hear about how linked um, these two disciplines can be in mm -hmm. this way. Like, yeah. for example, if I wanted to explore like the pitch space or like set theory and music or um, some different ways to analyze music that is more systematic and mm -hmm. mathematical, then like having a math background really helps with that. And now I'm reading some articles about those types of new analysis, especially for atonal and like really modern music that yeah. it, it's not traditional. So yeah. if, if you don't use numbers to represent it, you really can't hear a pattern. Okay. So like there's that kind of stuff going on. Um, I don't know if I'm the most interested in that stuff, but like, being able to see a link in itself is probably what I'm more drawn to than yeah. the actual content yeah. itself. Um, and like, I'm planning on incorporating a little bit of that in my thesis, okay. um, just to talk about some other ways to look at music um, that people don't usually look at just because it requires both really advanced musical knowledge and some pretty scary math okay. that might like, you know, scare people away yeah. who are advanced in music and yeah. not math. Um, so I really hope to include a little bit of that in my thesis as well. And uh -huh. hopefully in the future, who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually just finished a book today called the mathematics of love. And mm -hmm. it's all about the mathematical patterns in interpersonal relationships. So oh, there wow. is math everywhere. If you just kind of, you know, take a look <laughs> at it, uh, which is why, which is why I study math because you could find very awesome things virtually everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And Tina, just a final question as we as we wrap up here. Is there any place that people can find your work online? Or, you know, whether it's musical work, any of your math work, if you have any? <laughs> I, I feel like it's just scattered everywhere just because... Okay, this is sound super nerdy one, one time. I have so many disclaimers about sounding nerdy, but no, that's fine. Yeah. That's what, yeah, like I said, that's why that's why you're here. <laughs> so um Schubert was actually um well, I don't know if this is a myth or not, but he was really strict about his work. Okay. Um, but this part is not a myth. Like he like didn't a lot of his works are published because his friends vouch for them to be published. Okay. It wasn't him himself. Like he himself who got them published. So um a lot of his works, earlier works, he considered as practice, but later on got published and people were like, oh, this is so good. Yeah. So um, kind of kind of like that. I'm not trying to say I'm like yeah. Schubert in yeah. any way, but like um, I, I see a little similarity with that because I feel like a lot of people like, you know, know what how much their music is worth. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not quite sure I'm there yet. So okay. like... um. This is scattered everywhere whenever I wanted to post a little bit of it because I feel like all of it is still practice at yeah. the moment. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to be like Schubert and have them yeah. realize and be like, oh, those are actually great. Yeah. But um, like it's hard to draw the line between what kind of work is, you know, for for temporary enjoyment and what kind of work is, you know, this is good enough to start a portfolio. Okay. So like... um. <laughs> the short answer to that is I don't, I don't my my work is just everywhere. Okay. Like um if you have me on social media you can see like snippets of it on okay. every platform and sometimes I like even post stuff on Snapchat because yay it disappears and then yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm not pressured to make it perfect. Yeah. Um but otherwise like for example the accidentals have uploaded the video of the performance okay. on, online and like I do have a copy of my arrangement and that kind of stuff but okay. it's just I haven't started organizing a single platform for it because I'm not even sure if I have enough to show. Okay. Well, that's something we could talk about after the show. Um, (laughs) Do you have any song that you want to leave the audience with as we transition into the music section? Song. Yeah. Any kind of anything that you, any of your favorites uh, from the classical, any Schubert maybe that you would want to? Oh, any Schubert. Hmm. Should I go for one that people might, enjoy or yeah. or just a really classical anything you want mm. hmm. <laughs> well i guess if we're talking about schubert then it has to be a song song because he is the prince of song okay and he composed a lot of great song okay um hmm okay so he wrote um his the, his first published work in when he was 17 okay. oh what am i doing with my life yeah, um, right. Um, anyway, no, I'm not trying to compare myself to a musical genius like <laughs> that. But um, he uh, set words um, of a poem by Goethe. Okay. And um, Elf King, okay. Earl Koenig. I don't know if you've heard of that. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's like a really famous thing. And no? it's, um, I didn't know he wrote it when he was 17, but, you know, some pretty impressive work and okay. really dramatic, too. Okay. So, um, dark, if you like that s- scary stuff. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll definitely, if, if I could find it online, we will play it for the audience. Well, Tina, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to have you. And I know we, we've had scheduling troubles getting you <laughs> in the studio, but I'm so glad you came. Oh, thank you for inviting me. This is such an honor. Okay. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. And we're now going to move into the music section. Yeah.